This is Mercy Harper, writer for research services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm here with Holly Lycoglan, Principal Research Lead for Process and Performance Management at APQC, and Marisa Brown, Senior Principal Research Lead for Supply Chain Management at APQC, to talk about Procure to Pay. Welcome to the podcast, Holly and Marisa. Thanks, Marcy. Thank you. So Procure to Pay is the end-to-end process of obtaining the goods and services necessary to manufacture a product or supply a service. In other words, it's the process of getting the stuff you need to make the things you sell. So the efficiency, or lack thereof, of this process has a really big impact on cash flow and the bottom line. And it's definitely an area where you want to bring process management and supply chain together. And that's why I'm so happy to have APQC's process and supply chain gurus on the pod today. So first, let's set the scene a little bit. Marisa, where and why do supply chain organizations struggle with procure-to-pay? So that's a great question, Mercy. And I think the biggest challenge is you're dealing with crossing over typical boundaries within an organization. So you've got your procurement function, and then you've got your accounts payable people, and they aren't always in the same organization. They don't always report up through the same part of the the enterprise. And so you get this disconnect, not only in terms of different reporting structures, a lot of times you'll see different goals, different measures, even different systems. So you get this misalignment and then you get kind of this impact from upstream and downstream errors and inefficiencies kind of impacting the other end of the process. And in some cases, it ends up in this sort of non-productive finger pointing that, you know, the people on that side of the hyphen, well, they're the problem. Oh, no, it's the people on the other side. So I think where we see the biggest challenge is in organizations that are still very functionally minded and not able to make that shift from thinking about procurement and accounts payable to shifting from that to thinking about procure to pay as an end-to-end process. So um, in fact, just a, a note, we recently did a survey and we asked organizations, are your accounts payable and procurement teams in the same organization? And we found that only, what is it, let's say about 30% have them as an integrated team reporting up through the same C-suite executive. So there's a big disconnect and a lot of room for improvement in many companies. Mm, Makes sense. So Holly, can you tell us a little bit about how process can help organizations improve procure to pay, perhaps particularly with APQC's seven tenets of process management? I'm always a fan of saying that there is a process solution for most challenges. Um, and Marisa talked about one of them, which is this big disconnect between the processes, right? That processes in a silo are, are ineffective um, because you're not having a holistic look at the flow of information, how it gets between groups, how people are focused on a single purpose. Um, as far as like kind of looking at the seven tenets, seven tenets itself is useful from an idea of managing processes. So it's really about focusing on these key pillars or tenets of how do we manage our processes overall. Um, and, you know, it's got, again, the kind of the usual suspects. So you've got modeling, you've got process improvement. Those are the things most people talk about. Um, but when we're talking about strategy alignment and governance and change management as components, I think those are for the, that kind of disconnect is, are both really, really 
or all three are really, really good from the perspective of helping uh, procure to pay work more effectively. Um, because governance is about making sure that you have people who are accountable um, and, and working together to make sure the process is healthy, that it has what it needs to execute. Um, and that strategy alignment part is super important because it tells you, well, what do we need it to do? And how do we make sure that this process is going to help us meet the organization's goals? Now, procure to pay is kind of, kind of an obvious one that there's an alignment there, but you still have to understand what it is we're trying to do. You know, is the organization strategy to be fast? Is it quality? Is it, you know, all of these things then play into how you're focusing that procure to pay process and what you're trying to get out of it as far as then before you move into things like improvement. Um, the seven tenets are useful from that kind of big picture, how we're managing processes. Um, but we also have uh, another set that looks at process maturity, which I think is just as vital, um, if not more so when you're talking about a specific process. Because um, a couple of the things in there, there's some overlap between the two, but there's specific things for process maturity that is useful. Like the idea of end-to-end -end is part of the maturity. Being able to have that holistic perspective is part of the maturity and managing the maturity of your process. Um, a couple other ones is knowledge. You're making sure you have all the information people need to do. And this is especially important when we're talking end to ends, right? You've got two different groups of two different knowledge sets. Well, they need to understand how the other one works so they can work together seamlessly and have access to that information. Um, and then I think probably the other one that's really big then is the idea of risk. And especially if you're doing processes that cross functional boundaries, you need to be able to manage and mitigate potential risks that come from all kinds of different places, whether it's human error or you know, hiccups in the systems. So, because that was a long-winded answer. But... Awesome. Well, uh, Holly, just real quick for our listeners who are like, you just told me there's seven tenants and you know seven elements of uh, you know process maturity. What are those things? Can you just list them out for us real quick? Sure. So for the seven tenants, um, we have strategic alignment which is how well does what you're doing in process match helping the organization make, meet its goals. Governance is about creating accountability and oversight for your process work. Um, process models is, well, how do we go about visualizing and making processes tangible? Um, process performance is, so how do we go about identifying measures, putting in control points and managing the performance of our processes in an objective manner? which leads into the one that most people start with, which is process improvement. So how do we go about figuring out what needs to be improved and how to improve it? Um, and then the last two is change management. Process work is people work when you, when you boil it down to it because it's affecting how people execute their process. Even if you automate it, you're changing how people work. Um, so you need that change management element in there. And then tools and technology. What, is the, what are the things that we use and do we have a method to make sure they're standard, making the right smart choices about those things that we use in the organization? So that's the seven tenets. And then for process specific maturity, not just the program, we're looking at knowledge. Do we have information accessible to people? Do they have the tools that they need to do? Are they, you know, can they find what they need and talk to experts and SMEs in the space for that process? Uh, risk is what can go wrong. And how do we make sure we account for potential risk and have mitigation plans in place for something that's gonna affect the performance of our process? Um, tools and tech, very similar. What are the tools and systems that we have associated with this process? 
Are they robust? Are they old legacy systems that need to be put away and adopt something new? Um, that end-to-end -end integration, because processes don't live in a bubble. Processes are connected. So you have to make sure you're keeping an eye on upstream and downstream processes. So they work together more effectively um, and that you are able to get the value out of what you're trying to do. Um, process performance, very similar. Do we have measures? Um, how are we managing what's going on in the process? Is it systematic? Or is it, oh my gosh, it blew up. Um, now we're gonna scramble and react to it. Um, roles and responsibility, making sure you have people, you know, racy charts is a great part, right? We need to make sure and understand who's involved in that process, who's accountable for that process and make sure that there's governance as well. Um, the other part about roles and responsibilities is making sure you have the right skill sets and capabilities in your people for that process. And then the last one is measures. Have we picked measures? Do we assess those measures to make sure they're getting the value? And do we reassess them on a regular basis? You know, just because you, know, you may have got your cycle time down as short as you possibly can, well, what else is there about that process that needs improvement? So you need to review those measures regularly to go ahead and make sure that you're still managing a good performance at your process. Awesome. Thanks, Holly. So um, we know that, you know, implementing uh, process management is often easier said than done. So what do you see is the most, um, you know, the most challenging aspect to implement or the most common stumbling block? Ooh, challenging aspect to implement, I think, is, is um, probably strategic alignment. A lot of organizations struggle with making sure their process work aligns with what the organization is trying to do. Um, part of that goes back to what is the biggest gap when we're talking process. You know, there's a five-point maturity scale for processes. Um, and you know, two is standardized. You know, we've got it systematic. We understand it. It's documented. People's really struggle with then going to where they're managing and measuring. So how do we go from we've put down this long library of process maps? Um, how do we go about then getting the right measures? And how do we then go about having people manage through those measures is probably the biggest gap we see just in general. Um, because people struggle with what is the right measure? You know, because you have to have buy-in in it, but you can't have too much buy-in it. And then you have to figure out how it, is it easy a measure or is it something that's gonna actually drive what the organization needs it to do? So Holly, going back to some of the stuff that Marisa brought up at the beginning, and I think this often ties into measurement, um, you know, there's this whole like kind of function, functional silo issue that occurs in this process. Do you think that it's possible for procurement and finance to split the leadership of procure to pay? Unfortunately, you guys can't see the, the bad face I just made. Um, <laughs> honestly, if you're talking about an end-to-end -end process, much like any process governance, you need a single point of, of person. You need one person to be accountable for it. Um, I've seen some organizations do end-to-ends by committee, but it's still that you still have the same issues you had before, right? Somebody's going to focus on one part of it for optimization, that theirs is the most important, or the other group's going to focus on that instead. So you're still trying to have to, to build that bridge. Um, but for process governance, you need a single person that is the the, the individual who is accountable and responsible, who can play that role of, of making sure that both sides work effectively. So um, a follow-up um, for you, and then Marisa, feel free to jump in on this one if, if, you, if you want. Um, how do you go about finding that, that single point owner and 
who should it be supply chain should it be finance is it less about which function owns it and, and getting that right person in place what would you recommend for folks a couple of recommendations i usually do which is it doesn't matter if it's finance or, or, or procurement it depends on on who has the most skin in the game and who's going to be the best fit as a process owner so not it's not just about subject matter expertise for a process owner they also have to understand process. They also have to understand measurement. They also have to understand how to work and bridge gaps with a group of stakeholders. So there's a lot that goes into that role that isn't just one function over the other. There, you know, there's a lot of things you need to think about with that. Um, kind of a quick rule of thumb when people ask the same question is, so you're gonna have a KPI or a measure that talks about the value of that end to end. An easy way to start is who has that on their scorecard? Who is gonna already be responsible for that KPI if it already exists? As a way, just at least get started looking at who could be responsible for it. Because your process owners have to be motivated. You can't just give somebody a process ownership as a job without them have being bought in on it and without them having a reason to be accountable for it. Because otherwise you just get that check the box process owner who is not going to be paying attention and doing the things that they need to do. Awesome. That makes sense. You want to add anything, Marisa? Yeah, a couple of thoughts here. Um, to kind of echo Holly's point, a process owner really needs very strong soft skills. And historically, those weren't the skills focused on in either procurement or payables when we were looking for new hires and people to bring on board. But as business evolves and the skill sets needed evolved, we really see that process owners have to be able to bring people together across these business units, whether they've never worked together before or if they're reluctant to work together before. And one of the best ways to do that is to build in that standardized process that is repeatable, that ensures that the outputs every time are what the next group along the line needs in terms of inputs. Um, but, uh, you know, a couple things came to mind as Holly was talking about this. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that she mentioned that process work is people work. And even if you automate it, you're changing how people do their work. And this is one of the things that the global pandemic and the result, the resulting disruption in supply chains really highlighted. And we see this that before you improve procure to pay, you have to figure out where, what, what are the problems, right? And you want to identify the right opportunities to fix the right problems. And one of the things that causes a disconnect in procure to pay is traditionally procurement is focused on their suppliers and building relationships with suppliers, finding the right supplier for really critical ones, building a very strong, deep relationship. Whereas on the accounts payable side, there is more of a focus on money, cash, right? And there is a strategic decision that organizations make as to whether they want to pay faster or slower. Some want to pay faster, take advantage of early pay discounts, things like that. And others sometimes intentionally stretch out their accounts payable to sit on their cash longer and, and have that available to their own organization. But what we see is that especially with the pandemic, but in general, organizations have to consider the impact of that decision on their suppliers and not only their own organization. And stretching out your payables and not paying your suppliers in a timely manner can increase some of the risk to your suppliers and then 
that's that circles back to your own organization. So the decisions made on the payable side can end up impacting the procurement side, just as the procurement decisions can impact payable. And I think that we saw that during the height of the pandemic, some companies were actually funding their suppliers to keep them in business. And others said, oh, no, we're going to hang on to our cash because our world is uncertain, exacerbating some of their suppliers' problems. And I think that it all comes back to what Holly was saying, that the buck has to stop with a single process owner. Somebody who says, whoa, we need to get these two functions working together. We need to align the measures, align the goals, and make sure we've got this holistic view of procure to pay, that it is truly in our organization an end-to-end -end process that takes into account our suppliers and our needs in terms of sourcing and, and buying the goods and services, and our payable side of it and our need to pay in a way that lines up with our organization's strategy and how we want to manage our money. So I think that at the end of the day, to improve procure to pay really requires not optimizing the parts because that can sub-optimize the whole, but stepping back and looking at this as an end-to-end -end process and leveraging all of those seven tenants that Holly was talking about in terms of process governance and the other tenants in terms or the other things in terms of process maturity and really focusing on this from an enterprise perspective. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Holly and Marisa. Thank you. It was a thank pleasure. Before we go, I wanted to let our listeners know that we have some great free resources for you all linked in the episode description, including a webinar you can watch and some articles and reports to read. And once again, I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for listening to this APQC podcast. To learn more about our research, please visit apqc.org, and we hope you'll have a great rest of your day. Mm -hmm.